welcome to This Week in L5R, the podcast dedicated to keeping you up to date with Legend of the Five Rings news. This week we're going to be going over the Unicorn Spoilers. The cards were revealed yesterday. Sorry I didn't get it out on the day of. Okay, so to begin with the spoilers, I'm going to start off with the Stronghold. The Stronghold gives a pretty good basis as what the concept and strategy of the Unicorn Clan is. The name of the stronghold is Golden Plains Outpost. It is a plus zero strength stronghold, so it's not going to help stay around for very long, which is a problem because that's the objective for most decks. As an action, though, during a military conflict about this stronghold, choose a cavalry character you control. Move it to that conflict. This pretty much gives you a good idea as to how this deck is going to operate. It's military-focused and works a lot with cavalry and works a lot with moving. That is the basic concept of it. Um, It does start with 10 Honor, 7 Fate, and 10 Influence. So for the most part, nothing unusual there. Now the province, um, because each clan has its own unique province, the one that it has is called Endless Plains. It is 2 Province Strength. Reaction. After an attack is declared here, break this province. Your opponent chooses an attacking character. Discard that character. My first thoughts on this particular card was not very good. The more I think about it, though, the more I realize that this actually happens before you declare any defenders. If your opponent does attack with one large character, and this could definitely happen in Dragon or a number of other different clans, that particular person, regardless of how much fate is on him, is gone. Where this will not work as well is against Swarms, such as Lion Clan, for the most part, and a few other decks which can use larger numbers of smaller people. And obviously, if you always go into every battle with at least one Chud, then that's not as big of a deal, because he will die on the way in, which means that the person in the battle will have no padding, but currently the Unicorn don't have very many ways to take advantage of that with their in-faction cards. There are a number of neutral cards which can take advantage of that, so that and the proper splashing might be an important way to make sure that your deck has a lot of longevity if you go with a Unicorn Clan. So that is the basic of their Stronghold and Province, and now I will go over the Dynasty cards. It starts off with the Moto Youth, which is a Bushi and Cavalry with two military, zero political for one cost, and one glory. This character gets plus one military during the first military conflict each round, which means that for one cost, you're going to have a three military on either their first military conflict or your first military conflict, whichever one happens first. So that makes him incredibly cost-effective, also a cavalry, so he can be moved in if necessary. Utaku Infantry, Bushi, Zero military, zero political, for one cost, one glory. While this character is participating in a conflict, it gets plus one military and plus one political power for each unicorn participating character you control. That is a constant ability, so it will constantly update. So basically, how many people you have in that battle at the end of the conflict is how much strength he's going to be. On the plus side, that works for military or political. Next card is Aggressive Moto. Bushi and Cavalry, 3 military strength, 0 political for 2 cost, and 0 glory. 
this character cannot be declared as a defender. For the most part, that is not really much of a drawback for the Unicorn Clan. I'm not sure if the three military for two costs with zero political is worth it, but it definitely can be a good aggressive card. And of course, right out of the box, having a Bushi, having a cavalry that is, you're, that is going to attack is never a bad thing. Next card is Border Rider. It is a Bushi and cavalry. Two military, one political, for two cost. It has one glory. As an action, ready this character. This is honestly one of the most important ones in here because there are a lot of things which can move characters in and out of a battle. And for the most part, once a unit or once a character has been in a battle, he's bowed and can't go again, which makes the water ring really important for the Unicorn Clan. This particular person, once a turn, can ready. So it actually is very important and useful to have this person in to be able to take advantage of the moving in and out. The next card is Meishodo Wielder, Shugenja of Water. Two military, two political, for two cost, with one glory. Reduce the cost to play this character by one while you are the first player. I really like this character a lot because at least half the time it is going to be a one cost 2-2 character. That can be really good. It's not a cavalry though, and that's one of the downsides of it. Also, there are ways to make sure that you are the first player more than average, so that also helps with the cost breakdown. Next card is Shinjo Outrider, a Bushi Cavalry Scout, two military, two political, for two cost, with two glory. Action. During a conflict, move this character to the conflict. Movement is a primary aspect of this deck, and this character symbolizes it pretty well. Not particularly amazing, but it is an effective card. The next card is Giver of Gifts. It is a courtier, two military, three political, for three cost. It is two glory. Action. Choose an attachment you control. Move that attachment to an eligible character you control. This can be a lot more important than what originally appears because a number of their attachments allow them interesting benefits and ways to work with the move-into-a-battle concept. The next is Eyed Traitor. One military, three political, for three cost, with one glory. Reaction. After one or more characters move to a conflict in which this character is participating, select one. Gain one fate or draw one card. Limit once per conflict. So this is definitely going to be a phenomenal character to basically do a scouting run. You go in with one, and if it turns out to be good, i.e. if the other person does not defend it well enough, you can then move a lot of people to it, and this will give you more fate or more cards. Either way, very good. It is not a cavalry card, so it will probably be one of the cards that you send in initially, since it is much harder for you to move that character in. Also, his ability is works much better if he's already there. Warrior Poet. Bushi Cavalry, two military, two political, three cost, two glory. Action. While this character is participating in a conflict, each participating character controlled by your opponent gets negative one military and negative one political power until the end of the conflict. Earlier, I was thinking that most of the unicorn will have an issue with swarm tactics. This is definitely one of the cards that you'll want to have in case of any bad matchups like that. This will not shut down a Lion Swarm deck. This will make it somewhat more manageable. Giving them the negative one military and negative one political 
can counteract just a stronghold ability in that one particular conflict. One of the downsides is he actually does have to be participating at the conflict, and for the most part, a lot of the unicorn cards do not require that, but this one does. Utaku, Yamino. Bushi, Cavalry, Battle Maiden. So far the only Battle Maiden I've seen. She's a two military, two political, and three cost, and three glory, which actually is the highest glory out of anyone in the Unicorn Clan, straight, straight out of the box, that we've seen. I believe we're still missing one, the Ayuchi. Her ability is action. During a conflict, discard a card from your hand. This character gains plus two military and plus two political until the end of the conflict. Limit once per conflict. So she definitely has the ability to be a force strength, either military or political. And because of her high glory, this is the only person who, if you can get honored, would be phenomenal. In which case, she has potential to be a seven strength character just by herself if she's honored. I normally try to not associate like if they're honored, but this is the one that actually has the glory that really makes it worth it in the unicorn deck straight out of the box. The next card I find kind of interesting. It is the Moto Horde. It is a Bushi Cavalry Army. Six military strength, dash for political, so it can't even go there, and four cost. It has one glory. No attachments except weapon. So this is, I believe, the first one that we've seen that is a army card. Army is a, uh, in some of their other games, Fantasy Flight games have had army cards before, which basically represents a large horde of people. And this is just that. I like the fact that it's cavalry, though, so you can do amusing shenanigans with it. Alright, the next card is Shinjo Tatsuo. Bushi Cavalry Scout. Three military, three political, four cost, two glory. Action. During a conflict, choose this character and up to one other character you control. Move those characters to the conflict. That is really good, because you can move people into a battle if you need. I'm honestly not sure about the cost, though, because that means you're basically having a battle and you're committing two people, one of which is a four-coster, not to the battle. Seems a little bit risky. It definitely has a lot of options, which is something that the Unicorn specialize in. But as far as board state, that definitely leaves you in a weaker position in a lot of conflicts. The fact that he can go into any type of conflict, political or military, and he's balanced, he's a 3-3, then that means he actually can definitely be good and beneficial to either one. And actually, most of the Unicorn are pretty balanced. A couple of the courtiers are weak on military, and the aggressive Moto is weak on political, and so is Moto Youth. But otherwise, most of them are pretty balanced, the army notwithstanding. All right, so the last one in the Dynasty section is Shinjo Alten Sernai, and I am probably mispronouncing that. The traits are Bushi, Cavalry, and Champion. Five military, four political, five cost, two glory. So that is statted pretty accurately and pretty normal for a clan champion. The two glory is fine. Nothing exceptional one way or the other. Reaction. After you break a province during a military conflict in which this character is participating, your opponent chooses a character he or she controls. Discard that character. So the plus and minus side of this is that if you're going in really hard with the unicorn, you have a pretty good chance of breaking most provinces. And this does require a military, which you're probably going to be attacking at least once with her in. So it's not really a downside. 
However, the character that gets discarded does not have to be from that battle, which could be a benefit, it could be a liability, it depends on the board state, etc. So they can't just leave the province undefended in hopes to not trigger it, it'll still go off. The only bad side is, they can defend with everyone who's important, and if they do have to discard a character, they can just choose any character on the board for them to kill off. Now onto the conflict cards. We only have one of the characters revealed so far. It is the Eid Messenger. He is a courtier. One military, two political, for two cost. Zero glory. I find that kind of odd. Action. During a conflict, spend one fate. Choose a character you control. Move that character to the conflict. I'm not sure if he's really going to be worth the cost. It seems definitely expensive, both for the movability and for the fact that he's a 1-2 for 2. But not the worst character I've seen, but definitely not anyone who I'd be highly impressed with. He's also not cavalry, which doesn't mean as much since you can actually play him from your conflict hand. Next card is Favored Mount, an attachment. It has no traits, 1 military bonus, 0 political bonus for 1 fate cost. And it's 1 influence, so very easily splashable. Attached to a character you control, Attached character gains cavalry. During a conflict, bow this attachment. Move attached character to the conflict. So again, this is also an impressive way to move people around. It also is a way to give people cavalry for the long term, which can be very important. One other thing to keep in mind is that there has already been a character previously mentioned which allows you to move attachments around. This is a primary card for that because of the fact that it stacks twice with what you are trying to accomplish. The next conflict card is Spyglass, which is an attachment. It is a item and Gaijin, which means it's from Outlands outside of Rukugan. It is a zero military, one political for one cost. It is two influence. Reaction. After attached character commits to a conflict or moves to a conflict, draw one card. Limit twice per round. So this really stacks well with everything that the unicorn are trying to do. Either commit to a conflict or moving to a conflict. And it gives extra cards in hand. All of this is beneficial. Overall, I view that as a pretty good card. Born in War is the next one. It is an attachment. Condition. X military bonus. I'll explain that in a second. Zero political bonus for two cost. And it is one influence. But it is a cavalry character only, which means it's probably not splashable by very many people yet. The X bonus is equal to the number of unclaimed rings. That can be pretty big. On the first one, it's going to be four, because as soon as you declare the challenge, that ring becomes contested, which means that there are only four unclaimed rings left. By the end of the turn, nowhere near as effective. If on the fourth challenge, and every one has claimed a ring on the previous ones, there's only going to be a plus one bonus for two fate. Overall, though, it really is a card that the Unicorn really going to cherish. The next card is Breakthrough. It's an event with no bonuses on anything, zero fate cost, one influence. After the resolution of your first conflict this phase as the attacking player, if that conflict broke a province, immediately you declare your second conflict for this phase. That can be a phenomenal card if you have a board state advantage instead of worrying about what is going to be the offense and what is going to be the defense, this allows you to do a tremendous amount of work. I think this is going to be a fantastic card that is going to be in a lot of 
a lot of decks. It also looks to me like this can be splashed into the Lion Clan pretty well, because, once again, it gives them the tempo advantage of forcing their enemy to adjust to what they're trying to do. So I believe that that could be pretty good. I haven't tried it out yet, but I'm going to try that pretty soon. Captive Audience is the next card. It is an event with no bonuses, zero fate cost, three influence. Action. During political conflicts, lose one honor. Change the conflict type to military. I really like this card a lot. It gives a large bonus to a number of the Unicorn Clan cards. It can also be pretty helpful for if you want to splash it. Granted, it's going to be very expensive, but you could splash it into Lion or Crab, the two other people who have the hardest time dealing with political. Because if the Crane come in at a large, massive political conflict, you pay zero fate, lose one honor, and it becomes a military, that is a huge, huge difference. I believe it is a fantastic card, absolutely mandatory in the current board situation. The next one is I Am Ready, which is an event, no bonuses, zero fate, one influence. Action, remove one fate from a friendly unicorn character. Ready that character. So remember, with all the movement stuff going on, this is one of the very few that have a way to actually ready. Unfortunately, it does remove one fate, which means instead of being able to use it again next turn, it's only going to be there for this turn if you have one fate on it. But it allows you to use it again immediately, which if you have the tempo advantage is going to be massive. The next one is Way of the Unicorn, which is a philosophy event. No bonuses, zero cost, not splashable, so no influence cost. Interrupt. When you would pass the first player token, keep it instead. So, if you're the first player, this allows you to be the first player multiple times in a row. I believe this is a really good one, especially since Unicorn always want to go first. The next card is Cavalry Reserves. It is an event. Three fate cost, two influence. Action. During a military conflict, choose up to six printed cost worth of cavalry characters in your dynasty discard pile. Put those characters into play in the conflict. It only works for cavalry characters and only your dynasty cavalry characters. But after turn one, maybe two, this can be huge. I think it's going to be absolutely fantastic, especially since if you look at it, you can probably put in the Moto Horde and the Shinjo Outrider. So you're able to add eight extra force into this, eight extra military strength into this. I think that's going to be pretty impressive. Now, so far, we've seen 15 of the characters. We're still have not gotten to see the last conflict character, which is an Ayuchi character. What we have seen is there have been 10 Bushis and three Courtiers. Now, if I look at the list of the other ones, the Crab and the Lion both have 11 Bushi. The Unicorn are the next highest at 10, far above everybody else. So the Unicorn Clan have three Courtiers, which is actually not that bad. The crane have eight, the lion have four, and then the phoenix and the unicorn have three. Granted, we have not seen the scorpion yet. I'm pretty sure that they're going to have more than three, or more than four, which means we don't have enough courtiers to run any of the neutral cards which require courtiers to activate. Having this many is really not going to be beneficial for that. Some of, the, some of the abilities definitely make it worthwhile to keep them in in the deck, but not enough to run any extra political abilities. 
If we look at the conflict cost, they're actually one of the lowest. Um, the only clan so far who have a lower conflict cost is the Crane Clan, which I find kind of interesting. Um, tied for highest so far are the Crab and the Phoenix. And we're, we're actually the second lowest, so pretty good on conflict cost. The Dynasty cost, however, though, we are tied for second, which means we almost have the most expensive Dynasty characters. The Phoenix are the most expensive, you know, average per person, um, with 2.82, and we're second with 2.69. So we're going to pay almost three per character, which indicates that we're probably going to have a lower board size than most other people. Our glory, pretty average, 1.27, so right in the middle. We average 2.27 military per character, which is actually almost exactly in the middle so far. Again, minus Scorpion. There are two people above us. The two that are the weakest are the Crane Clan is the weakest with 1.57. And then there's a Lion Clan with 2.07. I find it interesting that the Lion Clan actually are the second weakest military per person. Whenever we get to the political, we're actually pretty low. We are next to the lowest. The Lion Clan have the lowest, which with 1.53. We've got 1.6. Even the Crab Clan is better than us. They've got 1.64. And we have the exact same cost per character, total character, as the Crab Clan with 2.93. The only people who are cheaper than us per character are the Lion Clan. I find it interesting that they have the lowest cost and the lowest military, or next to lowest military. So that gives a pretty good indication as to how the Unicorn are going to work. Lots of flexibility, lots of maneuverability. They are, however, decently fate-hungry, so they will not want to run neutral cards that are very expensive, fate-wise, or they will want to splash probably some of the cheaper cards to make sure they can actually pay for everything that they need to do. It is possible that splashing Levy out of Crab might be decently good and a few other Crab cards because they, they both have a lot of Bushi, so a lot of the cards will have overlap. So I feel like that could be a good blend. Possibly Lion Clan would be a good splash because they are also very aggressive and very strong on military attack, which is also what the Unicorn specialize in. Or you could go for Crane or Unicorn as far as your splash or you could go Crane or Scorpion as your splash to try to shore up your weaknesses on defense or on your political challenges. As far as what I would splash into my Unicorn deck, currently I would probably do either Crab or Lion, but that's just because of my playstyle. But that is because of my playstyle, where generally I normally want to focus on what my strength is and make it even better. But there's a good possibility that they're going to need more defensive bonuses, in which case either Phoenix or Crab, or possibly Crane, could give them the boost in that situation that they need. Overall, I'm a really a big fan of the Unicorn. I've always liked playing them before, and now, in a more balanced game, it seems really good. I'm a huge fan, and I think this is going to be a lot of fun. Tune in, actually, in a couple of hours, and I will have the overview of the rulebook and the fiction inside, which I found to be pretty interesting. So tune in shortly for that. And then the beginning of next week, so I'm assuming August 14th or 15th, probably the 14th, for the Scorpion Clan fiction, please like and subscribe on Facebook, WordPress, SoundCloud, and anywhere else you can find us. Music is Pray for Japan by Free Events Orchestra. 
This has been This Week in L5R, and I am Shasura Nasanaka. Thank you very much.